and and all opinions are like uh, you know assholes. Everybody's got one. Most of them stink. Even the experts. Even the experts. This one's radio episode eleven hundred and ninety nine starts in three, two. Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Well, 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 it's mysterious and spooky, altogether ooky. It's the monthly Q&A. October Q&A, before you start the trick-or-treating, before you uh, raid the kids' candy basket and pick out all the good things, exercise that parent tax, let's do a little question and answer. A little you ask, I answer here. It's the monthly tradition around these parts. If you're new around here, welcome to... Uh, Diz Runs Radio. This is, this is a thing. We, we do this thing. And uh, the last Friday of every month is dedicated to your questions, running or otherwise, my answers. And uh, that's what we've got on tap for today. If you haven't been here before, if you you know haven't asked a question, you're like, gosh, I wouldn't mind, I wouldn't mind getting a question answered in a future episode of the show. The best way to do so is to join the Facebook group. Not that you have to join the Facebook group, but uh, somewhere in the middle of the month, we put out a post. I, we. I put out a post that says, what are your questions this month? People throw their questions into the comments. That way they're all in one place. I don't lose them. And, uh, you know, then we, 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 I fire up the old, uh, computer, get in front of the microphone. And, uh, that's where the Q and a come from. Of course you, you can also email or you can pull a Gary Joe and slide into my Twitter DMS with some questions. That's all well and good. I do my best to not lose those messages in the shuffle. Messages have been lost in the shuffle, though. So, again, best place to, to do or best place to get your questions submitted. Uh, Facebook, disruns.com slash Facebook is the link that will get you there. You can also, you know, next time you're, you're scrolling on Facebook, just search for the Disruns tribe. Or if you if you really want to do it, if you really want to do it right, facebook.com slash groups slash the Disruns tribe. All, all one word there. That'll get you there. Disruns.com slash Facebook, probably easiest. But anyway, come come join our little party, our little corner of, of meta and, uh, you know, participate tomfoolery. There's, there's stuff going on all the time, but then uh, keep an eye out. Like I said, usually middle of the month, uh, we put a post up, you ask your questions and here we go. So without any further ado, let's, uh, let's dig in. First question from my man, Martin recently, recent member recently joined club 26.2 Martin. Congratulations on your first marathon. Uh, and th- his question I've heard your philosophy of pain-free plus three for getting back to work after a race. Does that same thought hold for cross-training and or strength training? Good question. Good question. And, and uh, you know, coming off of your first marathon, yeah, you want to take a little time to recover. For If you're not, if you're not familiar, pain-free plus three is my, my loose philosophy when it comes to when you start running again after a race. Because some, sometimes people are out, hey, take a week off, take two weeks off, take three days off. Like, like, it's, like it's all set in stone. Like it's always going to be the same amount of time. And like the fact of the matter is different races require a different amount of, of recovery time. How hard did you run the race? How difficult was the race? How was it in terms of, in terms of um, you know, topography? Was it a hillier race? Was it a less hilly race? Was it a little bit flatter? Um, was it a trail race versus a road race? Like all those types of things. 
Um, of course, how, how well did your training go before? And all that to say that, you know, I think of, of one size fits all recovery advice about as much as I think about one size fits all training plans. And then you might say, well, this pain free plus three is one size fits all. No, 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 no. Because the idea is wait until your legs are pain free. Wait until you can go up and down stairs. Wait until you can sit in the chair or, or maybe the, the best test getting up and down off the old, uh, the old commode. When you can do that without your, your quads barking at you, your calves barking at you. Now you're pain free. Now give it three more days. So sometimes that might be that might be the day after the race you're already pain free. In which case, you know, give it another couple few days, give it three more days, take four days off after a race, and you start running again. Um, but you know, maybe it takes you five days, eight days, ten days, whatever it is. Wait till you're pain free, and then for good measure, you know, a pinch to grow an inch, spoonful of sugar, and an extra three days helps the the niggles to go away or something like that. Patent pending, based on uh, you know my 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 love for Julie Andrews, Dame Julie Andrews, and. Mary Poppins. Where were we? we? Martin's question. Pain-free plus three. Does it hold true for cross training and or strength training? Um, I, to me, the the answer is, is yes and no, or no and yes, as the case may be. Yes for strength training. Because strength training is, is by definition, I mean, if you're doing strength training, like you're causing trauma damage, you're tearing muscle fibers. That's, that's the goal of strength training is to tear your muscle fibers in a controlled manner, of course, but tear your fibers. And then as your body um, repairs that tissue, repairs your, your muscle tissue. That's how you're getting stronger. And so, you know, you're already sore. If you're sore after a race, when you're sore after a race, that's because of, of trauma to the tissues from the repetitive stress of, of running and the Hills and all this and that and the other. Um, so adding more trauma, more stress via strength training kind of feels like jumping into a speed workout while you're still in the pain-free zone or before you get into the pain-free zone. It uh, just doesn't seem to make sense for me. And and quite frankly, you know, if you, if you take, like, yes, I'm pro strength training. Obviously, if you've been around for a minute, you know that. Um, but allowing your body to recover after a race, not doing strength training for three days, five days, 10 days, two weeks, whatever, until you're definitely pain-free plus three, you're not losing any ground. And you're probably, I mean, quite frankly, you're allowing your body to recover. That's what you need to do post-race. Um, so yeah, I would say definitely pain free plus three, maybe even pain three plus five. Maybe you go a little bit, a little bit further on, uh, you know, when do I start strength training again, coming off of a race, but in terms of cross training, I would, I would say that you're probably free to start cross training relatively soon, provided that it's not absolutely crush, you know, like I'm going to be on the top of the Peloton, Peloton leaderboard cross training, right? Like you want to go for a walk, you want to jump on your bike or your spin bike or your elliptical or get in the pool and do some some low stress movement, keep it easy. You know, certainly heart rate way low, um, but move the legs, get the, get the blood pumping a little bit, get the muscles pumping a little bit. I mean, not only can that kind of help from a, I just the mental side of like as runners, of course we, we like to run. There's a lot of mental benefits and clearing our heads and things like that. And maybe it's not the same, but at least you're moving, but I, there's also some physiological benefits of helping to, to get the waste products out of the, out of the cells. You, you break muscle tissue in terms, you know, talk about strength training, but also in terms of, of running hard, you, you, you have some of those tears in your muscle tissue. There's, there's, you know, without getting too deep in the weeds, there's cellular waste products that now are in places they're not supposed to be. They're supposed to be inside the cell. You break the tissue. Now it's outside the cell. It's in that intermuscular or intercellular space. Um, and by getting back into some, again, gentle movement. So we're talking, very conversational, like going for a walk, taking the dog for a couple extra walks. Or if you're getting on the bike, you know, nothing where you're flying, nothing where you're in the arrow, but you're not using your arrow bars. You know, you're not, you're not just hammering again. You're not striving for, for leaderboard, leaderboard points. Um, 
but you get the legs turning over, you get the heart rate up, you know, up relative, you know, up very much into low, low end of zone one, um, well below your math limits. But, you, you know, just, just doing that can help to speed up the recovery process a little bit. And certainly, again, if you keep your, your cross training very low intensity, you're probably not really delaying the recovery process like you would be if you went and jammed a hard speed workout or went and, and did some good strength training. So um, cross training I'm, I'm in on for relatively immediately after race. Maybe give yourself a day or two of rest. But, like, you know, from there, go for, again, go for some walks, easy bike, swim in the pool, whatever. Um, but I would say wait till you're, you're definitely pain-free pain free plus three before you get into your strength training and your running after your race. But once again, Martin, congrats. When, when is marathon number two? Nah, just kidding. You don't have to have that answer yet, but maybe you do. I don't know. But uh, welcome again to Club 26.2, and thank you for the question. Next up from Melody. Melody. Melody, Melody, Melody. Love me some Melody. Uh, what states have you completed a marathon in? Like, I can't even remember how many marathons I've run, and now you want me to rattle off how many states I've run it in? I think it's 10, 10 states. Maybe it's been 11. I don't know. It's like, it's enough that it's more than one. It's not enough that I'm like, all right, only, you know, 14 more to go until I get to 50 states. So I think off the top of my head, working west to east, I believe this is the number. If I'm missing one, then, you know, you got what you paid for. You, you still got your money's worth. Nine out of 10 ain't bad or 10 out of 11 or whatever the number is. So I've run California and Idaho. Those are my two farthest west that I've run so far. I've run um, Kansas and Missouri. That kind of takes care of the heartland, the, the center of the state, uh, the center of the state, the center of the country. And then uh, I've run a lot of states that border Georgia, but I've never run Georgia. I've run Tennessee, from Alabama, Florida, of course, after living there for 20 years, got knocked out a couple of Florida races. Uh, I've run South Carolina, I've run North Carolina. I've run Virginia. So what does what that, what does that get us to? Does that get us to 10? Virginia is one and North, South, Florida, Alabama. 10. Yeah, that gets us to 10. I've also run Washington DC, which I am fully aware because I went to school in the North where we actually studied geography. I don't know if all the South doesn't, but people in Florida have no idea what geography is. Uh, but I understand that, that Washington, D.C. is not a state, but sometimes there's that, you know, 50 states plus D.C. challenge, which is kind of what I feel like I have. So so I think that's where the, the confusion comes. Have I done 10 or 11? Well, I've done D.C., which is not a state, so 10, but, you know, honorable mention, I guess, of Washington, D.C. So I think that's that's my 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 list um, and haven't haven't knocked off a state since. I guess it wasn't even 2020. 2020 was my last proper race, but that was Disney. So that, you know, I'd already done Florida by that point. I guess Marine Corps 2019 was my last. And again, that's not even a state. So yeah, it, moral of the story, it's been a minute. We need to, need to start, you know, getting back on track on that. And maybe just maybe, maybe just maybe 2024 will be the year that uh, we take care of a couple more states. I don't know. No, ma- making no promises. I mean, y'all know me. I can't, I'm not even making plans for November yet. And that's just a few days away. So to making plans for 2024, get out of here. Um, but one of these days, you know, we'll, we'll add another state or two to the mix, but thank you for the question, milady. Next up, Lewis, Lewis is coming in with, with some of these questions that like, I, I know you try to get me, you know, just, just get a rise up on me from the, the elite questions you, you, every month. Lewis has to ask a question about the elites every month. I could care less about the elite. So let's, let's humor my man. Um, first question. What do you think about Kelvin Kiptum and t- apologies for not knowing how to pronounce this lady's name to Asafa's Asafa's. Record-breaking performances in Chicago. Also, what do you think about Des Linden breaking the women's master's record in the marathon? I mean, I think they're fast. 
congratulations, you know, right? Like whatever. Um, so, so, all right. So here's, I hate, I hate to say it this way, but like, I'll be more impressed of the two record breaking performances. Um, if they're still on the books in two or three years from now, like not in terms of has somebody run faster than them, but did they pop a positive? Right. Because how often does somebody throw down this great race and then six months later, eight months later, 14 months later, it's like, Oh, they were actually doping. And now that we have newer technology or newer ways to detect things, uh, we go back and test the samples and yep, sure enough, cheater, 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 pumpkin eater. And to be clear, I am not accusing either of them of cheating doping. I don't even know who they are. You could, you could put them in a room with me and I would have no clue. Um, and I don't care. Like, like I really don't, but I don't trust there's been, there's been enough smoke that there's fire and you know, we'll give it, give it 18 months, 24 months. And if, if there's, their records are still clean and there's no reason to think that they've, they've doped at that point, then, then very much hats off it, it. Quite frankly, even if they doped, I mean, that's still super fast, but less impressive if they're cheating, you know, and they're wearing cheater shoes. So there's that, but again, I mean, that's, that, that is what it is. And that's not the hill I'm going to die on today. Um, but ultimately don't care. Des is a beast. She's awesome. Um, but I, 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 I didn't care. <laughs> I didn't care about Des. I didn't care about them. Um, I'm glad for them all again, you know, it's fast, way faster than I'll ever run. Um, but I don't care. I don't care. Next question from Lewis. Nonsense question. What is your favorite Halloween candy? You're right, Lewis. That is a nonsense question because there's no way that you don't know the answer to that question. Right? Like, you've been around long enough that, like, the fact that you're asking that question, like, are you trolling me? Are you trolling me? Literally, everybody that's listening right now, Lewis, every single person that's listening that has been listening to this show for the better part of, I don't know, six weeks, certainly six months, certainly as long as you've been around. They're all, they're all going, seriously, dude, it's Reese's. <laughs> like he talks about Reese's every freaking week. Every, every, every time candy is discussed, whether it's a Q and a, whether it's something in, in a quick tip, if there's any mention of candy, it's Reese, like Reese's Reese's duh. Like Reese's is always the answer. There's like seven more questions that are related to Reese's in today's quick tip or in today's Q and a, and you're, you're right. It's a nonsense question. What is your favorite holiday? Because it's, it's so obvious. Everybody knows, Lewis. And, and I, I appreciate your questions. And I'm trying not to, like, I, th- I think you're trolling me. But if you're not, come on, man. Pay attention, bro. Pay attention. Final question from Lewis. And he says, this is a serious question. And, and I, I, this one I'm, I'm honestly confused by, Lewis. And again, I'm not trying to poke fun. I just don't, I don't understand your question in any way, shape, or form. So here's the question. As a run streaker, how can I best handle running on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, given that Christmas Eve falls on a Sunday this year? Like, run. I mean, you're a run streaker, right? Like, you figure out how to run every day no matter what, right? Which, which, you know, pretty, pretty sure I'm clear on my thoughts on that. But, like, it's worked for you for as long as you, however long your run streak has been. Like, what do you do any other Sunday? Right. And I get that Christmas Eve is, is, is different than, you know, Sunday, whatever, February 5th. Right. Like, like it's not the same, but like, what did you do on mother's day? What did you do on father's day? What did you do on Easter Sunday? Like those are all Sundays and those are all like special kind of Sundays where the normal routine is, is not very likely to be observed. 
um, where potentially there's family and there's there's potentially you know if church is a thing like to, to, there's church services and there's 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 families like it's there's a whole lot of variables in play on on a lot more days of the year than just Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, um, and you figured it out right like you figured out a time maybe maybe you didn't stick to your normal schedule which is probably you know around the holidays like that's even even if you're not a streaker but you're like it's Tuesday and I run on Tuesdays and so like you know maybe I run after Christmas or maybe I run, get up early and run you know before we go to the tree and open presents or whatever it is maybe I only run a couple miles instead of my normal seven like wh- whatever it is. We all make adjustments around holidays and family events and, and travel for, for vacations or holidays or, or whatever again, right? Like, like, and so I guess, I guess as a, as a run streak, how can you best handle running on Christmas Eve and Christmas day? Like be flexible, adjust and get your, get your run in. Like, don't overthink it. It's not going to be perfect. It's probably not going to be the best run you have all year in terms of, you know, just having all the time in the world to, to get as many miles as you want and you know, proper warm up and recovery and just chill. Like it's probably going to be compressed. It might only be whatever your minimum requirement is, but like tick the box and move on. You know, like I, I don't, I don't know what your family plans are. I don't know what your religious plans are, but like, you know, somewhere in that 24 hour window of, even though Christmas Eve is on a Sunday, somewhere in that 24 hours, I'm sure you've got 20 minutes to get a mile in and not even that you'll need a full 20 minutes to get a mile, but that gives, allows you enough time to change clothes, run your mile, change clothes. Figured out, figured out. But thanks for the questions, Lewis, as always. Next up from north of the border, uh, Brian asks, strength training three days per week seems to be the norm for runners. And I'm curious as to why this is the case. Is it related to rest required between workouts or some other reason? Um, Brian, I am curious who all these runners are that you seem to know that normally lift three days a week because, uh, um, I think I can count on maybe one or two fingers, you being one of them. Uh, the number of people I've coached in the last in the last year that have routinely strength trained three days per week, um, <laughs> myself maybe even being one of them. You know, my, my, being being one that hasn't, being a finger that doesn't count. Um, so I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I think it's a great ideal in terms of you know you, you can get you can get three whole body strength training sessions in. Um, you know, with a day off in between so that you're not going back to back days, which is, which is pretty good advice for strength training. Um, you know, I, I think two is, is, I don't want to say plenty, but two is more than adequate. Um, quite frankly, I, I, there's some folks that I, that I know rather well that if I could get them to strength train one day a week, I'd be like, damn, we're making progress, you know? So I, I again, like, I don't, I don't know why it's the, you, I am not around the, the, the runners who are normally lifting three days per week, but I think it's, I think it's a good manageable number. I think that, that my ideal for strength training for myself right now is three days a week. And it's like one upper body day, one lower body day, and one kind of whole body day. So it's like, it's a good way to kind of spread things out a little bit. Um, and that way, and, and also maybe, maybe, you know, maybe there's some logic to this of like, if I'm doing three days per week, I can get away with and, and be, and be productive with you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes for each session versus feeling like if I'm only doing one day per week, maybe I need to go for a full hour. And like, I used to strength train for an hour, but like, I ain't got time for that anymore. I got other things I'd rather be doing, but I can, I can usually carve out 15 or 20 minutes, at least twice a week working on trying to get that third one to be a little bit more automatic. Um, so I think, I think it's just like, you know, I can, I can maybe make that happen. And, and the ones that are doing it three days a week are the ones that are committed to it. And those of us that aren't need to get more committed to it. Cause, cause yeah, it's a, it's a good thing for all of the reasons in terms of injury prevention, performance, long-term health, you know, if we want to look at being healthy, you know, in our sixties and seventies and eighties, 
um, strength training arguably more important than running. Now, obviously, you know, as runners, like we want to keep running into our sixties and seventies and eighties. And if we want to keep doing that strength training, probably not. And by probably, I mean, yeah, it's a key piece of the puzzle. So you got to make it happen. Got to make it happen. But yeah, keep doing your three days a week, Brian, you're you're ahead of the curve on that. I can, I guess, I guess I don't have like a sample size of every runner in the world, but in the sample size that I am familiar with, you are, you are in the, in the top 1% for sure. Keep it up. Next question from Nita, mild bronchitis, bronchitis, run or no. Um, so this is, this is where I get to be the hypocrite because the coach in me says, no, no, get, let, get, let yourself get healthy, right? Like your body is fighting off, uh, this, this, this bronchitis, this illness, whatever, you know, what looking beyond just bronchitis, like anytime that you're sick, right? Your, your body is fighting off the virus, the, 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 whatever, what is the other you know, virus or, or the bacterial infection, whatever's going on, your, your body is fighting it off. Um, and it takes energy, right? It takes focus. Like, like your, your body is doing a job to try to, to, to fend off this invader and be healthy. And when you go for a run, um, you know, you're, you're burning the candles somewhat at both ends. In that case, you're using energy to go for a run that might could better be, be used by your body to fight off the virus. And sometimes it's, it's almost like taking a, a you know, taking a prescription for a couple days and then stopping. And then your, your sickness comes back and only it's worse because you didn't kill it off completely. Uh, I can almost do the same type of thing where you feel like you're getting a little bit better. It's still kind of there, but I'll go for a run. And now you, you tax your system a little bit and the sickness gets back hold. And now you've, instead of mild bronchitis, you've got, you know, more serious bronchitis. So, so no, don't run. That said, if I'm the one that's running and I'm kind of on the, on the edge, I'm probably going to go for a run, you know? So, so I wouldn't fault you if you did, if you are going to run, I mean, certainly keep it short. Um, and, and, and kind of use that to, to, to judge, um, the, I feel like the correct answer is no, but my honest answer is like, yeah, I mean, probably I would, but do as I say, not as I do, but ultimately milady, I hope you're, you're feeling better. Um, hopefully by now, since you asked this question a week ago, hopefully you're feeling better by now. Um, and if not back to full health ASAP, uh, next up Dylan writing in, taking a time from writing, taking a, taking a break from writing a book to write a question. Uh, any tips for training for either a hundred miler or a multi-day stage race? Uh, yeah, dude run. Um, and, and I, obviously that there's more to it than that, but like, there's kind of not like, like you, you need to, you need to get some miles in, you need to build up your base. Um, and I know you run, you, you, you get some pretty good mileage. So quite frankly, at least, at least I feel like I remember you getting pretty good mileage to spread out throughout the week. Um, you probably don't need to do a whole lot different than what you've than what your normal mileage is quite frankly. Um, you know, with, with the hundred milers, a lot of times there's some, like some back-to-back long runs where maybe you're doing, you know, 20 miles one day and 20 miles the next on over the course of a weekend or something like that. Those things help. Those things aren't, aren't bad at all, but like, you know, if you're, if you're getting your mileage into the, and, and again, forgive me if, if I'm mistaken, Dylan, but I feel like if not now, at least there was a time when like, you know, 60, 65, 70 miles a week was, was pretty standard for you. If you're at, at about that level, like you're pretty close, you're pretty close. You know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't take a whole lot of, of like, that's, that's plenty of people peak at that type of level for, for running a hundred miler. Um, I think the big thing for, for a race like that, and, and certainly for multi-stage races, I think it's a little bit different there is the mental side of things and being prepared to run for 20 hours, 24 hours, 28 hours, 30 hours, like, like, and not, and not run, 
but like keep moving. There's going to be some walking. There's going to be some hiking, but it's just keep going. Keep putting one foot in front of the other um, and keeping your head in the game because that's that's what can tr- really trip people up. With the multi-day race, I think it's a little bit a little bit easier to keep your head in the game because it's like, all right, I know I've got to get whatever miles today, but then I've got a break. I can sleep. I can eat. You know, I can change clothes, whatever. Um, and yeah, I got to come back and do it again tomorrow. But like, you know, if it's, if it's three 20 milers in a row or whatever it is, like it's a lot, but it's like, it's not 60 miles in one shot again, or whatever there's hundred miles in one shot, you know, however that, that shakes out. So, um, I think it's a little bit easier to, to kind of chunk that down into, all right, today is X number of miles and then I got a break and then tomorrow is whatever. Um, but from a physical training, trading side of things, I mean, as long as you're getting some pretty good miles in and some stretching out some of those long runs, um, you know, strength train, you know, get on that three days per week program. Like Brian was talking about, um, cause that'll help you for sure. But from an actual, just running, running perspective, it's like, as long as that base is solid, like you're good. You don't need to get a bunch of, of, you know, 70 mile weekends or a bunch of, of 70 mile long runs or anything like that. I mean, if you want to jump into a 50 mile or a hundred K or something like that as a training run, it's not a bad option, you know, kind of a little bit of a dress rehearsal, give you an idea of what to expect. Um, but you certainly don't have to. You certainly don't have to. And I mean, I've, I've coached folks where it's, you know, we get 40 miles on the weekend and obviously this is longer term and, and consistency over time, but like 40 miles on the weekend is a peak. And maybe we, we peaked at 70, 75 miles that week. Um, and that's more than enough from a physical side of things. And then it's all about the mind. So getting your, getting your mind right is uh, a big piece of that puzzle. I think, uh, but good luck. Good luck. If, if that's something that you're kicking around, uh, keep us posted on how, on how training's going and, and, uh, what your race is and all that good stuff. And, you know, if you, if you need a little help, I know a guy, I know a guy, but not here to, not here to try to sell you on that. You know, you know what I've got, you know what I'm offering. Um, but certainly hundred miles is a beast. hundred miles is a beast. And, uh, you know, get a, get a pacer. I think pacers are helpful. Um, obviously it's not a training question. It's more of a race logistic question. So maybe that's a question you'll have coming down the pipe in a, another month or two. Um, but yeah, having, having a, a decent little support crew pace pacers, um, can be helpful for sure, but good luck. Good luck. My friend, uh, next up coming from the treadmill, we've got a couple of Thessaly questions, but, and I love, I love me some Thessaly, but come on the treadmill. Come on, Thessaly. Anyway, uh, back from Berlin had a great race over there. Congratulations. Her question, how do you have a joyful mindset and avoid the trap of quote unquote, I'll be happy when, uh, for example, I know that a lot of people have a goal of running a BQ and running Boston, but what if they never get there? Debbie Downer over here. Sorry. Uh, how do you coach people to have a more overall positive outlook about their goals and, um, and being satisfied with themselves and their effort, even if they don't get their a goal? Um, that's a great, that's a great question, Thessaly, because it's, you know, the, the fact of the matter is that not everybody hits the goal every time, right? And, and I think I've made it known. And if not, allow me to make it known that I really enjoy working with folks with big goals, you know, goals that, that aren't, you know, something that we're going to knock out in the next, in the next training cycle that, that, that not, we're not going to knock out in the next six months. Um, now obviously, you know, nothing wrong with those types of goals. And obviously, you know, I, I can feel like I can be helpful in some of those goals as well, but like consistency is my, is my ethic, right? heart rate training, or at least running easy most of the time and building, building and progressing, um, over the longer period is, is what I believe in is what I think is the most sustainable for most folks. And so, you know, we can make progress in 16 weeks or we can make progress in four or five months. Um, but I feel like we can make a lot more progress in, in the longer term things. So, so, 
you know, having somebody that comes with a goal of like, hey, I want to qualify for Boston and I'm kind of eyeballing, you know, 2030 because that's when I'll, I'll get to the next age, age bracket, you know, right? Um, like, that's awesome for me because we've got, we've got six years, we've got eight years, you know, to work towards some of these goals. Um, not saying that we're going to keep working together that whole time. Hopefully we do, but you know, I mean, stranger things have happened, but I love having that longer term perspective, but then, you know, coming back to your question, you know, how do, how do we stay positive when maybe that goal is so far away? Or maybe, maybe you feel like you're starting to make some goals and then Boston goes, Oh, by the way, we're changing the qualifying standards again. And now you got to be even faster, um, at the, at the age number that you were thinking about. And that can be frustrating and demoralizing. And so I I think that that there's, there's a, a key of, of remembering, that that's that that's like obviously it's a goal for a lot of folks. It's a goal for myself, you know. Let's not let's not pretend it's not. Um, but it's 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 not a it's not a, a goal that measures your worth, right? Like at least I would argue. Some people might might disagree, but I would argue you're not a better runner or a worse runner because you qualified for Boston or didn't. It's it's all. I can't even think. I'm trying to think of this word. I'm trying to, to, to kill time to come up with the right word. But like, it's kind of one of those. Just like it's like a manufactured goal, right? It's a man, it, it's 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 uh, y'all are saying it. I can't think of the right word. But but it's just kind of one of those those. It's it's a, it's a great goal. It's a big goal. It's a goal that I have. But it doesn't it doesn't really change anything, right? In terms of of you know, I think I hope you know my 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 wife's gonna love me whether I ever qualify for Boston or not. You know, Addison is kind of angry at me all the time because she's a, t- a teenager. Uh, but she's going to love me, hopefully, you know, whether I qualify for, for Boston or not. Right. Like, like when I get home, the dogs are excited to see me. At least I can count on that. The dogs are excited to see me, whether it was a good race or a bad race or a good run or a bad run, or whether I just went to the mailbox or not. Like they're excited when I get home. Um, and none of that changes based on whether I hit some of these big goals or not, but, but what else can we, can we look at that are short-term goals and maybe more importantly, and something that I've, I've tried to do a little bit more frequently with, with some folks, and maybe I should try to do this with everybody more often as well is to, to kind of take a little time capsule. And be like, all right, so we're, we're frustrated that we're not getting any, you know, we're not making progress towards this goal here today. But let's look at where we were eight months ago. Let's look at where we were a year and a half ago, if I've been working with somebody that long. Or some of these folks that I've been working with, God bless them, you know, I've been working with them for four years, five years. Well, let's, let's look back at where we were four years ago. And, and all of a sudden, it's, you know, it's, it's that recency bias, right? Where you're like, God, I don't feel like I've made any progress in the last six weeks. But in the last four years, like I'm not even not even close. I've, I've gone so far, and and so maybe we're maybe we're struggling a little bit now. Maybe we need to change something up a little bit now. But you know, kind of being satisfied with where they are, even if they're not hitting their a goal. But it's like, my gosh, four years ago, I couldn't have even dreamed about this as being a, a realistic goal. And now I come up short, but it's realistic. You know, maybe the next maybe the next race I'll get there. Um, you know, never would have thought about breaking four hours. And now here I am talking about 355 or, you know, again, whatever, whatever that might be to scale up or down. So, so I think sometimes that's what I try to do is, is, is take a little bigger picture and kind of remind them of, of where we were in the past. And, you know, you're, you're frustrated that this week wasn't perfect and you, you only got, you know, 25 miles in for the week, but a year and a half ago, 25 miles was like peak week. And now that's like, you know, the fourth, the fourth week of, of September is 25 miles. No, no factor. Um, and just to, to, to allow them to see, Oh, I've, I have grown a lot. I have come a long way. And, and you know, whether I ever get to that, that far out there ambitious goal or not, you know, I'm still making progress. I'm still growing as a runner, hopefully growing as a person. And, and, you know, and sometimes goals change too. And that's, and that's okay. But I don't know. I, I don't know that there's like a perfect way, um, to, 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 to stay positive and be happy. 
Um, especially if you, if some of those big goals don't feel like they're ever coming into reach, but then it's like, what can we, what can we shift? Can we shift the focus? Can we make this happen? Um, what do you want to do? You know, like, like you've been focused on road racing, but have you ever tried to trail run? Um, and maybe you can find joy out there and, and oh, by the way, that might still help you get close to your goal long-term, but you know, we take six months off of, of road marathoning and let's just do some trail races. And then we can get back to road racing eventually, you know, and, and maybe that'll spur a big jump. So there's, there's lots of different options. Obviously, you know, quote unquote, it depends, you know, chug a lug, uh, in terms of the, the person and their goals and, and what's the whole situation is. Um, but you know, I mean, as I've said a few times on the podcast, one of the beauties of running is there's no, there's no shortage of options, right? Like we can go, we can go longer, we can go shorter, we can go different terrains, we can mix things up. Um, so sometimes it's just like suggesting trying something different just, just for a break just to get you, you know, change your focus off of this one goal that we've been banging our head against the wall trying to get for so long. Sometimes that can, can add some fun back into the mix. And then, Oh, by the way, you come back with that fresh perspective. And all of a sudden, either you don't care about that goal anymore. So we move on to something else or you just blow past it. And that can be massive. So again, lots of, lots of different ways to, to do it depending on the situation. Um, but quite frankly, I think it's a great question because it's something that a lot of folks struggle with of just not not getting to that one goal for whatever reason. And there's, you know, don't lose the joy in running because you're chasing one goal and there's a thousand other goals you could chase. Um, and you'll, you'll probably catch some of them. So anyway, great question, Thessaly. Uh, she also adds on a lighter note, what is your favorite way to repurpose, repurpose a Reese's in cookies or brownies is a mix for a milkshake is candy, uh, s'mores candy substitute instead of plain chocolate. So, Hey, Lewis, pay attention here. We got we got another person who realizes that Reese's are the end all be all of candy, Halloween or otherwise. Um, pay attention is the moral of that story for for Lewis. Um, you know, I hate to, I hate to disregard your question, Thessaly, but there's there's really no reason to repurpose a Reese's, right? Like if I've got a, if I've got a Reese's, whether it's a you know one of those little um, the, the little, the little cups that you kind of get at Halloween time or at Christmas, they're, they're pretty common. You know, they stick them in the candy cane and you can get the, the little Reese's cups. So we're just going to eat those. Uh, we get a Reese's tree or a Reese's pumpkin or a Reese's ghost. We're just going to eat that. Uh, Reese's thin. Yeah. We're going to eat that. Um, you know, Reese's anything we're, we're probably going to eat that. Uh, that's, 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 you know, the, the, so I guess what I'm saying again, no real reason to repurpose. I've been intrigued by the idea of using it in a s'more, um, and fun fact, I got Rebecca a s'mores kit for her birthday. We still haven't used it yet. And there are Reese's in there instead of chocolate. Reese's Thins. Still haven't used it yet. So I can't confirm that that's a good use of, of a Reese's. Um, you know, if I go to to a place that has um, like a Cold Stone, which I hate Cold I I enjoy Cold Stone. I hate the welcome to Cold Stone nonsense every time somebody walks in the door. Makes me want to not go to Cold Stone is what, quite frankly, how that works out. Uh, introverts are us. But if I go there, there's a pretty decent chance that I'm going to get some type of ice cream with Reese's mixed into it. Um, so yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan for the com- combination of Reese's and ice cream in like out in the wild, but at home, we're just, we're just going to eat it. We're just going to eat the Reese's in the, and as it comes out of the wrapper in the way that God intended it. Um, because why mess with candy perfection? Thank you for the question, lady. Get off the treadmill, go out and experience the world or, you know, run on the treadmill. That's fine too. Next up, another question from Martin. Uh, a little nonsense since we're slowly getting co- to colder temps. I assume hot apple cider is a given for fall, but once you get to the winter months, are you going hot chocolate or hot cocoa? Um, I mean, so so I I don't know the difference between hot chocolate and hot cocoa. And you you 
uh, somebody else asked you the question, Sarah asked, you know, kind of what is the difference there? And you, you explained it as you understand it. One is like a powder and hot water and one is more of like legit melting chocolate in, you know, some type of, of milk or cream or some, something of that extent. Um, both sound delicious, but coffee, bro, coffee's the answer. Um, coffee's the answer in the fall. Uh, coffee's the answer in the winter. Coffee is the answer in the spring. Coffee's the answer in the summer. Coffee's the answer in a box. Coffee's the answer with a fox. It does not matter here or there. I'll drink coffee everywhere. Um, as long as it's before like two o'clock in the afternoon. Cause after that homeboy's got to get some sleep at night. And while I can still fall asleep, according to the aura, aura ring, uh, the sleep quality does suffer if we drink coffee after about two o'clock or so. Um, so that's, that's the loose cutoff. You know, if we still got a half a cup of coffee left at two o'clock, we're probably going to finish it. Um, but you know, I mean, a hot apple cider is good. I'll, I'll give you that. And, and I'd probably take that even in the wintertime over hot chocolate or hot cocoa, but like coffee, man, coffee. Come on, Martin. Anyway, you enjoy your hot chocolate, your hot cocoa, your hot, your hot apple cider. Get me, get me a cup of coffee black again, kind of like Reese's the way God intended it. And, uh, you know, more hot chocolate or hot cocoa for you, more coffee for me. We both win. That's how I feel like that shakes itself out. Uh, but thanks for the questions. Uh, once again, next up from Andy, any family Turkey trot plans this year? I don't know, Andy. I don't know, Andy. I, I last year, in, in case you were, uh, in case you forgot or in case you remembered, and that's what brought about the question. The plan was to run the neighborhood Turkey trot, our, our new neighborhood, which is, I guess not, we're not so new here anymore. We've been here for a year now, but, uh, they host a little, I mean, it's low key, um, no big deal. Turkey trot on Thanksgiving morning. I think there were maybe like 25, 30 people that ran it last year. We were planning to, and then Miss Addison ended up getting sick like the day before. And so we didn't, she wanted to run it. Like it was all her idea. She wanted to run this Turkey trot. We were obviously going to run it with her. Um, she was training. She's running home from school, like getting ready and feel like she wants to do it again this year. Um, but like, she hasn't really been locked into the training yet. I mean, I guess it's still October, but you know, don't, don't look now, but, uh, you know, zero to zero to five K in 20 odd days for the Turkey trot. Like might want to get on that girl. Um, but if she wants to do it, we'll do it there. I could see a scenario now that I'm Mr. Mr. Neighborhood runner. Now now that I, now that I'm the the cool cat that hosts the the weekly neighborhood running groups, uh, because apparently I'm not an introvert anymore, still an introvert, but I have this extroverted tendency when it comes to group runs, apparently, um, I got a feeling that I might get roped into being somehow involved in the turkey trot this year in the neighborhood, uh, which is fine, you know, which is fine. So whether whether the family does it or not, I've got a feeling that I might be somehow tangentially involved, um, but hopefully she wants to do it and then I can, you know, be sort of involved, but also run with her because I think that would be the best of both worlds. But we'll see. I'm certainly not planning on going anywhere. Um, I'll certainly be running on Thanksgiving morning, whether I do the turkey trot or not. Uh, but I'm, I'm 99.9% sure we're, we're hosting again this year, which, which means that, uh, you know, friendly confines, which is not a bad situation, but we'll see to be determined on if, uh, Addison gets a little, little turkey trot 5k through the neighborhood this year or not. Uh, another question from Andy, are there any beliefs or opinions about running that you have had through a thousand plus podcast episodes that you now see 180 degrees differently or have even come back full circle that, you know, along the same lines of belief that you had all along. Oh man. Um, yes is the short answer, Andy. Uh, I think, I think maybe the biggest one that like is definitely a, a legitimate 180 degrees U-turn scenario. 
Um, if you go back in the archives far enough, and maybe it was even before the podcast, although I think there was some podcast discussion involved as well. I was very much, and I like I kind of hate to say this, but again, you know, I think I think I think that sometimes, and maybe this is more through a political lens, and of course we're not going to try to touch the political third rail here today. But I think I think in terms of of changing your your mind, it's like it's so often viewed as a bad thing, right? If, if a politician changes their mind, if a, if a if if a church changes its mind, it's like it's like dogma, you know. We can't we can't change our mind because that goes against that goes against this long held tradition, and like. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe I view myself as more of a scientist where it's like, this is what I think, or this is what I believe, or maybe even sometimes this is what I, this is what I'm sure of, but in the light of new, new evidence, like I'm okay with maybe going back and changing my mind. Like I'm not embarrassed. I'm embarrassed to say how hardcore I was on the idea of if you want to race hard, you got to run hard. You want to get faster, run faster. And like, to me, there was like no nuance there. Like, I don't know that I was like, go hard all the time, every day, no matter what. But like the idea of, of running easy, like I just assumed that I just not even assumed. I believe that those were junk miles and and look at me now. Look at me now. Funny how that works itself out, right? Where I'm like, yeah, you know, go hard maybe once a month, <laughs> at least for myself. You know, I you know, go hard once a week, once every couple of weeks. Like that's fine. Um, but, but I mean, you know. Clearly, I, I preach the gospel of heart rate training, or at least again effort effort based training. You can you can color it how you want. I like heart rate training for me, um, but you know, running easy the vast majority of the time, at least eighty twenty, if not ninety ten, if not ninety five five. Like you can, you almost can't run enough easy miles, as far as I'm concerned. Um, whereas whereas eight nine ten years ago, I'd have been like, why are you running easy? If you want to get faster, why are you running easy? Which yeah. I mean, I'm 180 degrees. I would say more than that, except with how a circle works. If I went more than that, then I'd be less than that. And we don't want that to be the case. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, heart rate training definitely have changed my mind on that big time. Um, what else? I think, I think another thing that I've, I've evolved on, and I don't know if I've, if it's 180 degrees, I don't know if it's a full circle. Um, I don't know what the, what the, what the setting on the compass would have to be for you to get to that point. But I think I've, I mean, I've, I've, I feel like I've always been pretty, you know, anti one size fits all in terms of like training plans and, and, you know, what works for you in terms of training may or may not work for anyone else. Um, but I, I, I'm pretty sure that I used to be pretty, pretty vocal, especially when I started getting into kind of fat adaption running, um, that like this was the way. And, and to a point, I still think that like, not being super carb dependent is, is a good thing just because I think more often than not, when people have GI issues on, on race day, especially for like marathons and longer, it's because they're just choking down so many gels that like the stomach just says enough. Um, but that, and that's anecdotal, you know, maybe I'm, I'm mistaken there and, and I'm not saying that everybody has to go full on, you know, keto to, to be like, there's, there's a role for car- carbs are good and there's, they're, they're, they're beneficial. Right. But like, I think that I maybe went too hard in the paint for, for fat adaption, um, as, as a one size fits all. And, and now I'm more of like, there's, there's nuance to it. And, you know, maybe, maybe low carb, instead of being low carb, if you're like between 50 grams and hundred grams of carbs per day, maybe like low carb for a runner should be like 150 carbs or a hundred or, you know, and, and again, sliding scale. So for some people, it's gonna be a little bit higher, some people a little bit lower, 
but but I do I do still think that there's some benefit to that, and especially for longer distance racing. And, and I think there's gonna be I think there's a decent chance that that more research will continue to show that that's not a bad option for longer distance running. Um, maybe not the only way, certainly not the only way. And I think I used to think of it more of as, as, as more of as an only way or the best way. And now I think it's just, it's a good way. And I think that there's, I think that if, if sucking down gels works for you and it doesn't make your stomach unhappy, then like, it's not for me, but if it works for you, it works for you. So I I try to come a little bit less black and white with that. And I I think maybe without coming into all the other beliefs and, and things that I can't think of off the top of my head, but I think that maybe that's, maybe it comes with age, but, but trying to see, most things as the, I, I believe as of now, October, 2023, subject to another thousand podcast episodes and, and, you know, the possibility of changing my mind. Um, but I believe that there are very few things in the world, very few things in the world, especially in running, but just in the world in general that are like completely black and white, right? Like there might be a few, like maybe don't kill people. Like that's pretty black and white. I think to me, although there's still the gray of sometimes self-defense and you know, I mean, there's still some gray there. Right. Um, and I, gosh, I kind of went, went dark there. didn't mean to do that, but like, like in general, there's very few things that are like clearly defined either yes or no without any possibility of there being some type of gray area, some type of, well, but what about in this, in this unique, maybe not common, but certainly not impossible salute situation. And I think in terms of running, like I'm very much more of like, Hey, you know, like I think there, I think that heart rate training or again, effort-based training, hard pressed to say that that doesn't work for just about everybody, but can you be successful without doing that? Yeah. Yeah. I think you can. Um, to what degree? I mean, I don't know. We can argue, we can argue about whether heart rate training is best or not. Like we can argue, we can, we can, we can debate, we can have a, a friendly discussion over, a cup of coffee or some hot cider or hot chocolate or whatever, um, and have those conversations. But like, I think maybe that's the biggest thing, you know, and again, maybe it's just from age, maybe it's from listening to other folks and sharing some opinions and, and hearing their thoughts. Um, but, but I think it's just, you know, I'm just, there's, there's no black and white. It's all, it's all gray. It's all shades of gray. It's all 50 shades of gray. Um, maybe more shades of gray sometimes. And, and that's okay. And that's okay. So, there you go. Yeah. The big one though, the 180 degrees, definitely the effort-based training and, and not running easy miles before seeing benefit of those. And now I'm like, time on feet is awesome. Like just walking is great. You know, is it the same thing? No, but does it move you forward? Yes. And so that's a good thing. So yeah. Thank you for the questions, Andy. That was, that was, I don't know if any of that made any sense. Hopefully it might've satisfied your question, but thank you, my friend. Next up, Natasha, if you get a full refund for a canceled marathon, Maybe one that happened in Minnesota, perhaps, or didn't happen, as the case may be. Uh, that part was added by me, just for the record. You know, if you want to come, don't at Natasha, at me. At me. Uh, anyway, if you got a full refund for a canceled marathon, the logical thing would be to use that money to sign up for a marathon in December, right? An expert opinion would help my case when I present this to my partner. Just saying. Well, Natasha, we all know that I've got nothing if not expert opinions that sometimes I'll change my mind on per Andy's question, but, uh, I will still give you my expert opinion in the moment. And like, yeah, obviously, duh, (laughs) like like you get money, like you already spent the money on a race, right? Like you already spent the money and now you've got it back, but you didn't have the race. So we need a race. So yeah, spend that money. Sign up for a marathon in December, girl, get your, get yourself some more bling. 
Uh, get yourself, uh, you know, 26.2 that actually, you know, happens instead of like, I just ran it by myself because the race said it was too hot and the race was full of it because it wasn't too hot. Um, and in fact, it would have been probably safer if the race was happening. So there were water stops and things like that. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, when it comes to, should I run a race or not? Uh, I mean, not that I'm always going to say, not that I'm always gonna be on team. Yes. Um, but I'll always, you know, kind of throw my, throw my weight behind the, 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 yeah, you got, you got your money back. You didn't get to run the race. Like, yeah, run another, sign up for that race in merit in December. Um, so yeah, good luck. Good luck. But expert, expert opinions. We got those. We got those. I mean, you know, and, and all opinions are like, uh, you know, assholes. Everybody's got one. Most of them stink. Even the experts, even the experts. Another question from Natasha, any tips for avoiding tripping and falling when trail running? Um, I mean, I wish I could say yes, because then I could say that I've never fallen and never will fall again on the trail. However, that's not how that works. So, um, you know, I, th- I think that, that picking up your feet is, is, uh, kind of a big deal on the trail. Um, you can get away with not picking up your feet very much with running on the road for the most part. Um, not on the trail, not on the trail. You got to pick your feet up a little bit. Obviously you got to watch where you're going, where you're putting your feet a little bit more. Um, here's the thing I think that maybe is the, the best tip I can give you about not tripping and falling on the trail. And those of you that run more trails, please feel free to, um, chime in to, uh, assist Natasha as she's getting ready for her first trail trail race, um, early next year. But I feel like without maybe overanalyzing every time I've fallen on the trail, probably every time I've tripped and I've tripped and fallen on, you know, the road as well. Um, but every time I've fallen during a trail run or a trail race, it's been in a, in a location where there weren't a lot of rocks. There weren't a lot of roots. It felt like one of those areas where I could just relax and just run for a hundred yards or for two miles or whatever the case might be. And there was that one little thing that got me. And I think that that's, it's just a case of letting your, your guard down. So be vigilant, I think is what I'm trying to say. You know, if you're running through an area that's pretty technical and there's lots of roots and rocks and loose things and, and whatever nonsense that, that are, are obvious tripping hazards, like unless you're just suicide bombing down the mountain, like you're going to, you're going to slow down. You're going to pick your, your steps carefully and like, you'll probably stay upright. I mean, you know, unless you really land on something that's like super loose or something like that. But, but for the most part in those technical areas, I feel like you're, you're being, I've been cautious enough that I don't fall. Right. But then it's like, you get to that area that opens up a little bit. You're like, all right, hell I'm going to go now. And then there's that one, there's that one little stump that's kind of under the leaves that you don't quite see. And it just has a way of jumping up and catching your toe. And now you're, now you're down sniper, sniper, pop, 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 pop. Gotcha. So hopefully that doesn't happen to you, but stay aware, especially in those areas where it feels like I don't need to be aware here. That's where maybe you need to be aware the most, but uh, thank you for the questions. Milady. have fun at that marathon in December. I feel like I might, might need to hear about that one of these days, but, uh, anyway, good luck. Good luck in that marathon. Good luck in on the trail. Stay upright. All right. Uh, next up, it's time once again for the Tom trifecta. We missed you last month, Tom. I know you had, you had bigger fish to fry, you know, running, running races. Um, 
But uh, first question from Tom, did I miss anything? Yeah, man, we missed you last month. But uh, again, all good, all forgiven, water under the bridge. Welcome back to the Q&A. And and did you miss anything important around here? (laughs) Clearly not. Nothing ever is important around here. Um, But uh, hope hope things are well in Western New York. Um, And and weirdly, I'll take advantage to say, you know, hope the Bills can keep up with the Lions this year, my friend. But uh, yeah, anyway, hope things are well for you and you and your world, Tom. And thanks for thanks for the questions this month. That was an easy first one. Usually, Tom, the easy one is the last one. What's what, we're we going opposite direction this this time? Uh, second question from Tom. Adidas just came out with a new shoe that is designed to be used in only one marathon after a quote unquote familiarization run, and it retails for five hundred dollars. Are you on board with this? No, man. And, and this is kind of snarky. This is tongue loosely in cheek, but also kind of serious. Pretty sure I can get a prescription for HGH for way less than $500. And <laughs> like, if I'm going to cheat in a race to finish, you know, 4,570th instead of 4,842nd, like I'll just take the HGH, bro. Or the testosterone, or both. Maybe I'll EPO it. You know, I don't know. But like, that's ridiculous. It, it, all that said, if that's if that's your jam, using these these neon, whatever, not even neon, these these what space shoes or whatever nonsense they're going to call them. I mean, you got five hundred dollars to spend on a pair of shoes that you can wear for one race. I mean, here you go. Save a little bit of that money. Hire me. I'll train you up, and you'll be better for just than just for one you have me for more than one race right you have me for more than one race so there's that but yeah i am not even remotely on board with those shoes like no i'll take i'll take a needle in the backside before i i drop 500 dollars on a pair of shoes get out of here adidas you're ridiculous uh next up final question from tom uh one day last year i had a really good race and ran a bq time however i did not make the 529 cutoff for the 2024 race I have mixed feelings about this and some swear words may have been involved. Any thoughts on the BQ process? Thank you for asking Tom, because I actually do have some thoughts on this and, uh, let the record show that if somebody else is, is, is on this same soapbox, I did not hear this from anybody else. This, this was an idea that I had shortly after the, the, uh, cutoff times were announced for this year. Um, and I, and I have some thoughts on why the cutoff was so bad this year versus in, in the last couple of years. So for those that aren't, aren't aware, um, which I'm sure probably most of you are aware, but if you're not, uh, you know, Boston Marathon, pretty prestigious race. Lots of people want to run it. You have to run a certain qualifying time in another marathon uh, in order to to get into to running Boston. And so you have these these times you have to get underneath. And if you if you, you know, just because you qualify doesn't mean you get in. Because a lot of times you have to have, you know, run faster than qualification times because so many people qualify. So the last two years, however, there weren't any buffers. It was just, if you ran a BQ, you got in. And I think that this year, maybe it was a little bit worse because I think that, that potentially last year, you know, looking at qualifying for 2023, I think there were probably people that, that, you know, that squeaked again, squeaking is kind of one of those terms that's, you know, Boston qualified, but by barely by, by, you know, a minute or two at the most, sometimes by seconds that were just like, there's no way I'm going to get into the race. So I'm not even going to apply, right. I'm not even gonna get my hopes up. I'm not even gonna submit my time because there's no way that there's going to be no buffer 
And then they saw there were no buffer. They were pissed. And so I think that potentially this year, every squeaker out there applied, thinking, hoping that maybe there'd be an, a third year in a row where there's no there's no buffer. I mean, I think the first year there was no buffer was, you know, that was just a lot due to, to pandemic nonsense and lack of races and things like that. So it was just th- that one's a whole different scenario. Uh, but I think that maybe there were more people that, that applied this year because they thought that maybe just maybe there'd be no buffer or maybe it might, might only be 10 seconds or 15 seconds. So my, my 40 second BQ might be enough. And lo and behold, lots of people applied. Sounds like yourself as well, Tom, um, but didn't have that 529. So they didn't get it. So here's my solution or at least my, my thought. And, you know, if anybody listening here has any connections at the BAA, Go ahead and forward this to Dave. You know, take that timestamp, whatever, whatever we are right now, 57, 58 minutes, 56, whatever, whatever it is. To, here, here's, here's the solution to Boston qualifying because it's getting a little ridiculous. Let's not kid ourselves. It's getting a little ridiculous. Here's, here's the solution. And I can, I, you know, there's some wiggle room here. There's some gray area. It's not black and white. Keep your, keep your qualifying times. You know, keep, keep your standards so that it's not just wide open. Anybody that wants to, to run Boston can run Boston. Keep them, keep them where they are. If you feel the need to, to maybe tighten them up just a little bit, tighten them up a little bit. Um, but make it a lottery of people that qualify. You know, if, if not like New York where just anybody can, can submit to the lottery and it's, it's open to everybody. Like, nope, you still have to qualify. You still have to run your, your 305 or your 340 or whatever your qualification is for, for men and women and your age group and things like that. Um, but once one, you know, once everybody's qualified and we've got, you know, 40,000 people that have qualified for 30,000 spots, now we just do a, a lottery. And if you, if you want to make it, if you want to put a provision in there that if you qualify by some ungodly number, right? If you qualify by 20 minutes, you're automatically in. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. So now instead of, you know, we got 40,000 people that applied and we've got 27,000 slots because 3,000 people qualified by 15 minutes or 20 minutes or 25, whatever, whatever some pretty big number is where nobody's going to complain, right? Nobody, nobody who qualified by 14 seconds is going to be like, God, I shouldn't, I should have got ahead, got in ahead of the lady who qualified by 27 minutes. Like she qualified by 27. She's good. She's good. Um, but everybody that's in that 10 minutes and under 15 minutes and under we're in a lottery and you know, you can maybe even look at something where it, it, then staggers a little bit and, and, uh, you know, how far do we want to go down this rabbit hole? It's up to, it's up to, it's up to Dave and, and the BAA. Um, but like, maybe we do something where, you know, there's 27% of the, the qualifiers were from, you know, the, the women's 30 to 35 age group. So they get 27% of the, the lottery, but it's still a lottery. It's still, it's still a lottery, right? And, and just because you qualified by six minutes or by 40 seconds, like you still got a chance. Because I, I, here's, here's the issue that I have. And, and again, maybe this is because it's a goal I have, but like, I'm not even close. So it's not like I've, it's not like I've got a dog in the fight, right? It's not like I can maybe get in next year. Um, how demoralizing is it? If you, if you BQ by 14 seconds and you're like, fuck, like, all right, I'm in, I mean, I qualified, but like, I'm not going to make it. But if you qualified by 14 seconds and you knew that, you know, you weren't guaranteed, but you had a shot, you had a shot via a lottery. Maybe you take, you know, maybe you even even stagger it so that it's it's fifty percent of the field. I don't I don't know I don't know how you want to justify, you know, if you're fast enough or whatever, but like, I think I think that there's 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 a possibility there, of going all right, everybody that you still have your qualifying time, you still make it that that kind of level of of mystique and and you know you, 
again, I hate to say it, like not just anybody can run, but like, like if, if Boston wants to keep the qualification process and then we have this certain level of expectation, unless you're doing a charity run or something like that, but like, you know, you got to qualify, you got to qualify. Great. And maybe you want to grandfather people, people that have qualified for the last decade, right? They're in, as long as they keep qualifying, they're in. Um, but I think a lottery for qualifiers that are, you know, anywhere between one second and 15 minutes, I don't think that's incredibly unfair, you know, and maybe you even do something then where it, it becomes almost like Western. I mean, we can keep going down this rabbit hole, right? Like maybe we do something like we do for Western States. And for those of you that don't speak hundred mile trail run ultra language, um, Western States is, 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 is kind of grand. It's almost like the Boston marathon of, of trail running here in the United States a race that lots of people aspire for. And it's a lottery process, but every year that you enter the lottery that you don't get in, your odds get better. So, so you enter the lottery this year, you don't get picked. Well, the next year, if you, if you qualify, if you run a hundred mile race that, that qualifies you to enter the lottery again, now you get two names in the hat instead of just one, even though you only, you know, just for that one, just, just for next year. And then if you don't get it now, you get three, three names and four names. And you, like, basically if you keep qualifying and you keep applying and you don't get it this year, your odds are better next year. And then they're better the next year and they're better the next year until you get picked. So maybe, maybe that's part of the, the, the BQ qualifiers lottery process too. Where like if you can keep squeaking, your odds keep getting better and better and better. Um, but I just like you know, there's no perfect way. Somebody's always going to feel like they got hard done. I get that. Um, but when you got a BQ minus five and a half minutes, like I don't know, it it just seems like why not just say that it's not for the everyman anymore? You know, like like I don't know. Again, maybe there's there's some personal feelings that go in there and, and, and a little bit of jadedness towards it. But I think I think that there's a way to, to add a certain lottery component while still keeping the qualification component that might just make it a bit fairer for, for kind of everybody that, that gets to the qualification and they still got a chance. They still got a chance when you qualify, even if it's only by a couple of seconds. You still got a chance with that lottery. So there you go. There's my thought on how to how to I don't want to say fix it, but maybe revamp it, maybe overhaul it, maybe catch it up to the 21st century. Um, Dave, you know, you want to talk. Let's talk, my friend. Let's talk. Somebody forward this to him. Let's have that conversation. But thank you for the questions, Tom. Glad to have you back on the Q&A. Hopefully, we'll see you again next month. Next up, from the land of 10,000 lakes, Rick asks, what do you think of plant-based Reese's? What are we talking about plant-based? First of all, are Reese's not plant-based? Like, I don't, what, what is the animal product that is in a normal Reese's? Um, second of all, I mean, like, I, I don't know. I, I hate to be, to be the guy that I'm about to be. I hate to be, you know, rude or disrespectful, but like, I don't remember hearing the vegans bagging the drum about like, we can't eat Reese's cause they're not plant-based. Like they're plant, they're, I don't know. I've never heard of plant-based Reese's before. This is the first I'm hearing of it. Um, I, I'm sure I'd eat one, you know, like whatever it's, it's, it, it can't be, I'm sure it's different somehow, some random ingredient. That's like, you know, some gum of some insect that, that, you know, we, we, we sifted out for the plant-based one. Um, like, okay. I mean, rock on it's, it's still peanut butter and chocolate, right? Like I would assume those are still plant-based derivatives. Maybe it's not milk chocolate. Is that the difference? It's, it's, you know, nut, nut milk, nut, nut juice chocolate instead of milk chocolate. Um, I mean, it's still, it still comes down to being chocolate and peanut butter, right? So I'm still, I'm still on board. Um, but I, I got a feeling and this might be just bias going into it that I'm going to take a real Reese's over a plant-based Reese's. Like I got a feeling that's going to be better.
but I'm, I'll, I'll go into it with as open of mind as I possibly can have. And I'm not going to be like, mm, I'll take candy corn over a plant-based Reese's. Like, get the out of here with your candy corn. Plant-based Reese's, maybe, maybe not, but we'll give it a shot. We'll give it a shot. Uh, another question from Rick. Uh, I'm giving myself two chances to run a BQ next year, April and July. Do I treat the first race as a training run or throw caution to the wind and try to BQ right off the bat? Whew, uh, get, y'all, get your get your drinks ready because uh, we're, we're, we're going all in on the it depends here for this one. Um, I mean, it depends, bro. <laughs> like, it really does. Like, like, how are you feeling going into the April race, right? Like, this, did the training through the winter, was it locked in? Are you feeling strong? Are you feeling fit? Are you feeling healthy? Are you feeling like, like it wouldn't be a stretch to get the BQ in April? Then freaking go for it in April, right? Because there's no guarantee. I'm assuming, I'm assuming, you know what happens when you start assuming, but I'm assuming that maybe the July race is grandma's and like, yeah, grandma's usually pretty good weather, but there's no guarantee that even in Duluth in July, that the heat's not going to be a factor, right? Like, there's no guarantee. Like, so if things are starting to align for April and like the training has gone well through the winter months and then you're, you're getting to the race and like the weather forecast is decent or even better than decent, like, I mean, probably go for it in April if, if the stars are aligned because there's, there's no guarantee that they're going to align again in July, right? But if, if training through the winter is a little hot and cold or maybe just a little cold and icy, um, and it doesn't go super well. And like, you're, you're feeling like maybe you're only at, you know, whatever, 80%, 75% fitness for that April race, then maybe don't blow it out because you know, it would take like lightning to strike in the bottle for you to feel like you really had a good shot at it. So maybe in that case, then you treat it as more of a training run. Maybe you do some type of workout where you're like going to run the first 15 miles or 18 miles pretty easy. And then kind of push for the last six or eight miles, do like a fast finish type of thing. Um, at, at kind of BQ pace for what you need in July and still have plenty of time to take a, a you know, a pain-free plus three, even though you weren't going selling out for that race to recover a little bit, uh, get back into things and, and kind of, you know, have another six weeks or eight weeks of good training to build the July. Like, sure. That, that I could see that making sense as well. Um, but it's, it's, it's borderline impossible. And I would argue irresponsible of me to be like, yeah, in October, six months out, yeah, don't race the April race hard because if everything lines up, man, you know, that only happens, that doesn't happen often, you know, might only happen once every few years. And so if, if training goes well, if the hips are feeling good, um, if the mindset's on, on point and then you get to, you know, 10 days out from the race and you're kind of in that taper mode and the weather's looking good, go for it, bro. Go for it. Um, and then if something, if something changes, if the forecast changes, if all of a sudden there's a lightning storm, whatever, you got, you still got July, right? Um, but if things, if things are lined up, man, I, 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 I can't tell you what it's like to be honestly, like I'm, I'm ready to go for a BQ, but I can tell you that if I'm in a situation where I've got a couple races where like one or the other could be the BQ and things are aligned for the first one, we're selling out for the first one, selling out for the first one. And if, and if it doesn't happen and then we got to just run the second one is a little bit easier because we're not fully recovered and, and, and ready to go. So be it, you know, I'm not going to force it, right? Like if, if it's, if it's a hot AF in April and you're not ready for that, or the training's not there, like I said, then keep it simple training, run, run hard in July. But if, if the winter running goes well, and I know I've said this a few times, but I feel like, I, like I got to beat this into your head sometimes, Rick, uh, if the winter running goes well, weather's good in April course is friendly enough. Um, get after it, get after it and shoot your shot for sure. Uh, thank you for the questions, my friend. Next up from the guy with two first names, Mr. Jason Dennis, 
First one, I'm very excited about doing marathons on back-to-back days in early November. Uh, going to take it easy for both. Any advice on what to do for a quicker recovery between races, ice bath, stretching, certain things to eat, drink, etc. Um, no, I mean, I think, I think that the biggest thing is what you said there first in terms of like taking it easy. You know, you dig yourself too deep of a hole by trying to hammer the first race. Like, I don't care what kind of space age, you know, vacuum pumps that you hook to your legs or ice baths or, you know, miracle fuel, fuel foods or, or any of that kind of stuff. You're going to be, you're going to be struggling the next day, right? So keep that first day super easy. You know, if you get through halfway through the second race, um, and, and you know, on the next day and you're like, gosh, I feel pretty good. Like let's maybe not race it hard, but like we can pick it up a little bit for the last eight, 10 miles and then go for it. Right. Um, but keep it super simple on the first day. That's, that's going to the best, you know, it's like the, the best way to get out of a hole is to stop digging. Like the best way to recover quickly after one race is to not kill yourself in the first race. Um, that said, hydrate, hydrate, like a fool, replace the fluids. Um, even if, even if you don't sweat a lot, even if it's not a hot race where it's like all kind of like electrolytes and things like that, get the hydration back in. Of course, eat, try to eat well, you know, like, like it, it doesn't, I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but like, you know, you can, you can have. A, you know, whatever you can have some sweets or things like that. You know, kind of celebrate after the first race, but know that you're running again tomorrow. Right. So save like the Uber feast for after race number two, you know, try to eat clean, eat healthy after the first race. Um, you know, hopefully the, the trip from one race to the next, I'm assuming you're going off, off of two States here. Uh, you know, hopefully it's a relatively short trip. If you're going to be in the car for four or five hours, maybe get it, stop and get out and stretch your legs at a couple of rest areas. Um, but hopefully, you know, you can get out, get from the first race, get to the second one, get your bib, uh, you try to get to bed early, you know, good sleep as much as you can. Um, but like, there's no miracles. There's nothing, there's nothing gonna be, that's going to be, make like a game changer difference outside of don't hammer the first race. Like that's, that's a pretty surefire way to make sure that the second race is going to be brutal. Second race might be tough anyway, but you hammer that first race, whew, rough sledding, rough sledding ahead after hammering day one. So good luck. Good luck. Looking forward to hearing how that goes for you. Second question, could your Lions and my Miami Dolphins meet in the Super Bowl? I mean, probably not, but could it happen as, as we're standing here in October? Yeah, sure, it could. Sure could. Uh, the Dolphins look good on offense. Look like they, they couldn't stop uh, you know anybody on deep. Well, I guess they could stop. I don't know. I think both teams, I haven't watched any Dolphins games. I've watched a couple Lions games. Both teams are good. Not sure either team is truly elite yet. Um but in the NFL, with with ten weeks left in the regular season, I mean, these teams, both teams, and and all the other teams that are up there in contention, could look dramatically different if a quarterback gets injured, or a star receiver gets injured, or a key defensive player gets injured, and injuries happen. Right? Like, let's not kid ourselves. I'm not trying to bring anything on anybody. Um, all I'm saying is, as a Lions fan, like I'm, I'm. I'm I don't know. I've been this optimistic for a while. And like, I don't, I mean, I don't think in my heart of hearts, do I think we're a real Super Bowl contender? Like, nah, could it happen? I mean, you know, the damn giants won the Super Bowl when they were terrible. You know, what were they eight and eight and they made squeak in as a wild card. Oh, they're going to get, they're going to get blown out in the first round. And they win that game. Oh, they're going to get blown out in the, the game against the, the one seed. They win that game. Oh, they're going to get blown out against the Patriots who are 18 and oh, they win that game. So you know, all you gotta do is get to get to the dance. You know, you get to the dance, and anything can happen. I think the Lions can get to the dance, and at that point, anything can happen. But I, I don't. I mean, I'm a fan, but I'm not freaking. I'm not blind to the reality. And they've got, they've got, they're on the upswing still. But this year might be still a year or two too early till they could really realistically have a shot. But get get there. And I think the Dolphins is the same way. I think that there's they're still missing a couple pieces potentially. 
Um, but their offense is good. You know, you get you get there, you got a shot. But I'd hate to I'd hate to get to you know have to go to to Arrowhead in January in the sleep and try to run that track meet offense. Like eh, that that might not work so well. But hey, they got a shot. The Lions got a shot. And if they if they meet up in the Super Bowl, whew, I mean, that'd be exciting. It'd be exciting. We trash talk a little bit. Uh, but thanks for the questions and, and good luck at your races, Jason. Good good luck, my friend. Uh, next up, we got three questions from Michaela. Then we got a Gary Joe hat trick, and then we got one more. So what does that make? Seven questions left in this month's Q&A. First one from Michaela. If you could have one fast food chain in your house, what would it be? <laughs> I mean, I, I chuckled with this question because I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I, don't, I wouldn't want one. Like, I, I wouldn't. Um, but then, you know, like, like there's... Then, then it starts to really ultimately the question comes becomes like, what do we count as fast food? Because like I haven't eaten and, and this is no like holier than thou's or anything like that, but it's just like, I will not eat what I consider fast food. I will not eat McDonald's. I will not eat Burger King. Um, I've eaten Chick-fil-A and I guess that certainly counts as fast food, but like, like I haven't eaten McDonald's in probably, probably 20, I don't know, 10 years, 15 years, something like that. Um, and so you, you put one in my house and I'd just be like, no, let's get, let's get these clowns out of here. Um, but if we're going to count five guys as fast food, which I think we probably would, I mean, I think I'd put a five guy, like I am a sucker for a good burger. And like, if I could get a five guys burger every day, I mean, I probably would, right? I probably would. Um, I try to avoid the Cajun fries every day. Cause that would be a downfall, but like just a, just a, a burger every day. Um, maybe wouldn't go bun every day, but just a burger every day from five guys. Yeah. I mean, I like, I like a good burger. Um, honorable mention or, or asterisk on that would be, I've never eaten it in and out. I know. I know some of you pick your, pick your jaws up, never eaten it in and out. Um, so like perhaps that would make the, that would make the list. If I'd eaten there, if I'd had a double, double animal style, like maybe, maybe it would be in and out over five guys. Um, but nothing else would come close. Like nothing else, like, like Chick-fil-A is fine, but like, I don't, I don't need Chick-fil-A. Um, five guys, five guys would probably be it. Maybe, maybe changing the, maybe I'll take that 180 uh, down the road when I, when I ever make it to a, an in and out. But until then, five guys, five guys. Yeah. But I keep the, keep the, keep the Cajun fries out. Like I, I, I don't want the fryer because that could get me in trouble too quickly. Next question from Michaela. Do you think one could power walk a marathon and beyond a hundred thousand percent? Yes. Abs- I've seen it. I've seen people do it. Um, at the, at the, the 45 miler that, that Kate and I ran a couple years ago, there were some ladies and I'm, I want to say that they walked the whole 45 miles. Now maybe they, they quote unquote only did two laps. We, we did or whatever did, did the, there was like a 45 K which would have been just over a marathon cause a marathon 42 K. Um, cause everything was, was centered around 45. Um, but I want to say they did the 45 miler and I mean, like I finished ahead of them, but it wasn't like I finished and came back the next day and they were still like, like they might've finished a couple hours behind me. Um, and even if not, if they, if they only did the 45, maybe they did the 45 K again, quote unquote only, I mean, they walked the whole thing and they, they, they finished in whatever the clock would have been nine hours, something like that. So yeah, it was probably, whatever, whatever the case was, they, 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 they walked and grounded out and got it done. 
and so could you do it? Absolutely. Now, now, you know, maybe that gets into a, a, an issue with, with if there's if there's course cutoffs, and because it was a forty five mile that was going on at the same time, they had they had no they had plenty of, of time to do it. Um, so you got to take some of those factors into consideration. But could one walk a marathon? Could one walk a fifty k? Thousand times yes. Thousand times yes. Last but not least, from Michaela, if you have company, what's your go to meal? I mean, let's not kid ourselves. Ideally, we don't have company. Um, <laughs> like, like maybe there's a select few people that are, that are, that are relatively invited anytime, but just general company, most all of y'all, you're welcome to come here. Cause we're going to go run, right? And you, we'll, we'll make dinner. That's fine. Uh, but just general company, like don't, don't even come, don't even bother. Um, but if I'm making dinner for family or something like that, you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't really have a go-to that I, that I make, um, chicken is simple, you know, maybe a chili, something like that. Um, which is not soup, by the way. I feel like we had this argument before. Chili is not soup. Chili is chili. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I don't really have a go-to. It kind of depends on who's here, what, what, what they're into. Um, you know, you probably have something in the freezer we can put out and throw in the, in the crock pot or in the oven or, you know, in the Instapot, uh, and get it done. But like, I, I'm a simple cook, simple person, make me a protein, some vegetables, get out of the way. Um, my parents always are a little bit, feel like they're always a little bit not, not upset, but like they're left for wanting. Cause we don't really do like, like a starch, you know, there's not usually potatoes, not usually rice when they come, we try to make some of those things there, but, uh, but you know, something simple, get them in, get them out. You know, if you want, if you want something, if you want something delectable, you know, there's other places you can go. If you want something that's home style. We'll do home style here. Uh, but I don't have a go-to. Sorry. Sorry to disappoint. Uh, maybe that, maybe that's how I should end, end every question. Yeah. Sorry to disappoint. Here's my answer. Sorry to disappoint. Uh, but thank you for the questions, lady. Next up, hat trick time. First one from GJC. Gary Joe asks, maybe time to pour out a shot for the Diz Runs drinking game. So, all right, y'all, get your, get your drinks ready because Gary Joe's calling his shot that I'm going to say it depends. We'll see. Uh, how long do you usually wait to get back at it after an illness? Severity of said illness is a consideration. Um, <laughs> I mean, maybe it depends. Yeah, probably it depends. But, like, going back to Nita's question, like, I probably don't wait until – illness has run its course to get back at it. Um, obviously again, it, it depends on what the sickness is. If it's like a head cold congestion, things like that. I am very pro for myself going out and running and just going snot rocket crazy. So if it's, if it's any type of congestion, if it's even in my lungs where I need to cough some stuff up, I feel like I do a better job of coughing it up when I'm running. And also like, I'm not worried about the accidental, just like it falls out of my, this big loogie falls out of my mouth. Like I'd rather do that while I'm out running than you know, when I'm, and here comes this, this wad of phlegm, um, rather do that on the road than like in the living room. Cause I've done that before. And that kind of gross. Uh, cause then you got to pick it back up and like, Oh, gross. If I'm out running, then just, oh, yeah, casualty, whatever, no factor. Um, but in those situations, yeah, I'm going to get out there. Now, like if it's like a real illness, if it's a, a flu that I'm really down on and, and, you know, knock on wood, our house has still been at least diagnosably free of COVID. I don't know if we've had it before tests were readily available or whatever, but we've been, been able to avoid it somehow. Um, but you know, if I had something like that, where I was like really down, like, yeah, I mean, it might go pain-free plus three. It might go illness-free plus three, symptom-free plus three. Um, just to make sure it's nicked. Right. Because like the last thing you want to do is be like, all right, I think I'm, I think I'm healthy. Let me go for a run. And then it flares back up again, going back to, to Martin's question from earlier. Um, and Nita's question. So, so I, I think I'd try to err on the side of caution. Like, yeah, I don't want to wait an extra day or two, but like probably wait an extra day or two. Um, so yeah, like once, once you're kind of in the clear, if it's, if it's not just a, a cold and congestion, if it's a cold and congestion thing, I'm out there, I'm running through it. Um, but otherwise like, yeah, you know, probably 
give it a couple extra days just to be safe. Maybe do some stuff inside. Maybe do some yoga or maybe do some, some strength or some, something that you could do inside. Maybe go for a walk, get a little cross training in. Um, and then if, if that goes well, mix some running in. Uh, but if, if that's a loaded question, Gary, Joe, if you've been sick, hope you're feeling better, buddy. Uh, cause being sick is no fun for anyone. Next question from Gary, Joe flying pig marathon is Sunday, May the 7th in Cincinnati, which is about four and a half hours for me. I'm hankering to run 26.2. Would you consider coming with, it'll be another state off the list. It will be another state off the list. You're accurate there. And I'll tell you what, I, I don't know if this question is spurred from the, the uh, conversation I had with Gerald a couple weeks ago on the podcast, but my man, Gerald, he was all in on flying pig and he sold it hard and he got my attention. He got my attention for sure. Um, so yeah, you know, like I said earlier, I'm not making plans for November yet. And it's, and it's October the 20 something, 26th as we're recording this 27th as you listen to this. So like, I'm not committing to flying pig in May just yet. Um, but especially if it lines up with, with like, I think Gerald didn't say Gerald say Lexington is usually the day before, you know, if I could go, if I go Lexington flying pig, bada boom, bada bam, two races, one weekend, Mike could convince Rebecca to make that kind of a, of a, uh, anniversary getaway. Cause our anniversary is May the 13th. So, you know, it's, it's in the, it's in the range, right? It's in that, it's in that, the halo of when can you celebrate your anniversary? Well, the weekend before that counts. Um, you know, maybe we can, we can sweet talk her parents into staying with the dogs and, and the kid and maybe, yeah. To answer your question, would I consider coming with, I think so. I think I would consider, you know, I'll let you, I'll let you know sometime in March, maybe April, if I'm doing it, cause probably won't make a decision until then. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I could, I could see that happening potentially, potentially for sure. And maybe just maybe enough of y'all clowns decided to clamor on board either Lexington and or flying pig. Um, you know, maybe, maybe that's the type of peer pressure I need to, to commit early. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, final question from Gary Joe foolishness. Is it too early to put up a Christmas tree asking for the wife of a friend? So does this mean that your wife wants to put the Christmas tree up, Gary Joe, or does this mean that you want to put the Christmas tree up and your wife is like, nah, bro, too early. Yeah. I mean, it's too early. It's too early. And, and like, you know, I, I, another thing going back to Andy's question, trying to kind of change my mind. And I'm trying not to yuck people's yum, right? Like things that really don't matter unless you like candy corn. Like if, if candy corn is your yum, like we're just, we're just not aligned. Um, but like putting your Christmas tree up in October, I mean, it feels too early. It feels too early, but I feel like this is one of those that like, you know, just keep it, keep it inside the house, right? Like what, what happens in your house happens in your house and nobody needs to know about it. So put that Christmas tree up in your house, uh, but maybe save the outdoor decorations certainly until after Halloween is over. Like let the people that love Halloween not be like, what is this guy doing? Put Or this, this lady doing, what is, what is Mr. Collins? What is Mrs. Collins doing? Putting the Christmas, putting the, the hanging the boughs of Holly, hanging the Christmas lights on in October, like at least get through, through Halloween. I would argue, can we celebrate Thanksgiving before we get into Christmas? Like that still gives us four weeks, four and a half weeks to celebrate Christmas. Um, and then, and then I think, I think here's, here's the compromise that I would urge, right? If, if you want to put, you know, if, if you, if, if the wife wants to put the Christmas tree up or you want to put the, I'm not sure I, I understand the question, but asking for the wife of a friend. So is it, if it's too early to put the Christmas tree up and you're having that argument now, let's say, all right, let's, let's wait until mid November. I would argue the day after black Friday, let's put the Christmas tree up, but then let's keep it up and enjoy it until 
I don't know, February 10th, you know, like, like, like January 24th, 25th, like there's, there's no, I mean, there's, there's Valentine's day and in, you know, mid February, but like, like there's no like major holiday that's right after Christmas. I mean, there's new year obviously, but like, like nobody's, nobody's batting an eye that somebody's Christmas stuff is still up on the new year. Right. So like, let's, let's keep it up and enjoy it a little bit further into the new year versus let's just eliminate Thanksgiving from consideration and let's go right from Halloween to Christmas. Like, no, let's celebrate Thanksgiving. Not saying you can't celebrate Thanksgiving with the Christmas tree already up, but like, like you can't trick or treat with the Christmas tree already up. Can you, can you, I don't know. I don't know. Although another thing I've learned over the years, let's not, let's not spur an argument between a, a, a marital, you know, let's, let's not, let's not muddy up the waters of marital bliss. So, you know, the, your friend and, and the, and the wife, y'all figure it out amongst yourselves. I'll stay out of it. As far as I'm concerned, however, might still be just, a, just a tick, just a tick. And by a tick, I mean a month too early for the Christmas tree. But, uh, anyway, thanks for the questions, Gary, Joe. And if you are on the, on the men, hopefully you're feeling better. Last but not least, Miss Marion chimes in. Go Nana. Should a runner who typically runs 135 miles a month get jittery when several days of rest are prescribed? Asking for a lunatic. Well, Marion, I think I think you might be asking for yourself here. Love you. We're, we're all we're all in that lunatic phase. Um, so so this is one of those split answer questions. Should a runner who is typically running 135 miles a month get jittery when several days of rest are prescribed? No. Is it 100% normal and expected to get jittery when several days of rest are prescribed? Absolutely. So hopefully whatever, whatever reason you've been prescribed a few rest days or whatever reason your lunatic friend or self has been prescribed a few rest days. Um, hopefully they pass quickly. You know, hopefully there's something else you can do so to maybe try to keep the, the jitters somewhat contained, you know, maybe you can get a walk in, uh, maybe you can, you can do some stretching or some yoga or, or whatever you can do, do what you can do and hope, hope, hope that uh, those couple of days, those rest days pass quickly and then you can get your fix. But yeah, I mean, we're all, we're all right there with you. You know, you, we are all right there with you that, you know, too many rest days makes, makes things not, not good, not good on a bunch of levels. So hopefully you're back out there soon, m'lady. Um, but yeah, having the jitters, totally normal, even though you shouldn't totally normal. So there we go. That's it. That's another month of questions down. Another month of answers may or may not be useful. Uh, as always, your your thoughts, your additions, your subtractions. What did I get right? What did I get wrong? At Diz Runs on Twitter and X. At Diz Runs on Threads and Instagram. Uh, at Diz Runs on whatever else comes out these days. But uh, that's that's always the handle on the social medias. DizRuns at gmail.com if you want to hit me up that way. And, of course, if you want to head over to the show notes for today, which is really very little more than just the, the questions and then my answer in the form of a meme or a gif. Um, I feel like I probably spend way too much time thinking those things through on these Q and A's and none of y'all check them out. Go check them out or not. I mean, you don't have to, but like the, the, the Q and A's always have some, some good meme and GIF answers. Um, and it also has that comment section, of course, maybe a, a link once in a while, but that comment section down there at the bottom, feel free to chime in there as you see fit. And of course, if you have something you want to add to somebody's question, which I'm glad to see sometimes that happens, you know, any, any other people's advice or things like that. Um, feel free to jump into the, the comment section of the post in the Facebook group. Just reply to the person's question with some type of in, info or feedback or, or suggestions or whatever. Um, and if you want to get your questions featured in next month's Q&A, you know, 
join the party or the, the nonsense or both and. Uh, Dizruns.com slash Facebook is the is the link. Once again, you can also just search for the Dizruns tribe on the book of faces the next time you're scrolling around. Or you can be like Gary Joe and shoot me a message. That's fine, too. Just can't guarantee that those will make it in. I mean, I'm used to Gary Joe's. I'm always looking for his. But, you know, the Facebook group is the best, the best situation is what I'm trying to say. Anyway, whatever works best for you ultimately worked for me. And uh, with that, what the voice still somewhat intact. Kind of surprised. Only an hour and a half this month. I'm, I'm losing it. I'm losing. I thought this was at least a two-hour episode. Only only an hour and a half. You're welcome. You're welcome. I don't know if that's a trick or a treat, but one way or the other, you're welcome. Anyway, y'all, thanks for the time. Thanks for the attention. Thanks for the questions, as always. And until next time, be well. Take good care. Thanks again for listening. Talk soon. Later, y'all.